Well, good morning. It's a joy to be here today. Grateful for Joel and for the worship leadership. And I'm grateful to Dr. Vong uh, Previn for a chance to share with you, uh, given the fact that he is in no place uh, or space to share with you today. Budapest, Hungary and Nacogdoches, Texas are a good bit apart. So uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the chance to come over uh, this morning. If you have a Bible, would you take it and turn it to Galatians chapter 5? Jesus says that if anyone will deny him or herself, let this one, uh, if anyone will come after me, let this one deny self, take up cross daily, and follow me. I assume, I'm going to assume that the vast majority of you in here want to live lives as fully devoted followers of Christ Jesus, pressed into His character and likeness, more of Jesus, less of you, that day by day you want to be less of what you used to be and more of what you ought to be. The question that I want us to ask this morning together is this, how can that desire that he might increase and we might decrease be realized? How can the character of Jesus Christ be made manifest in our lives so that the Spirit's fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control be seen in us? And I want us to try to answer that question from Galatians chapter 5. Do you have a Bible? Do you have a text? Let's look at this together. Galatians 5, 25. And we're going to read on through to Galatians 6, 10. If you're new to faith or you're new to study of Scripture, let me teach you the way that you can return to Galatians. No No trouble time after time from this point forward. General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All of these Pauline letters tend to run together. So you get Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, there you go. Uh, then you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You may or may not be interested, I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, the way that Paul's letters are arranged is you have nine letters to congregations and four letters to persons, and they appear roughly in descending order. There's only one exception. As it happens, Ephesians is actually 251 words longer than Galatians, but who's counting? So you found your way to Galatians 5. Here we are, chapter 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's military terminology, as you might imagine, as the Spirit says, uh, march left, we march, well, left. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, sisters, fellow believers, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are living, that is, you who are walking by the Spirit, should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. But watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. 
Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Familiar words, perhaps, to some. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what one sows, this shall they reap. If they sow to the flesh, that is, life lived apart from God in the good, if they sow to the flesh, from the flesh shall reap corruption. But if they sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit shall reap eternal life. Do not grow weary then in well-doing, for in due time you will reap. If you do not lose heart, but while there is time, do good to all people, but especially to the household of faith. The question is, is how can we be pressed into Jesus's image and likeness? In Galatians earlier, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith or by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. In Galatians, Paul is at pains to place before the Galatians afresh Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That was the original message, but then some came and began to encourage them to take their eye off the ball, as it were. So when Dak Prescott, I understand the game starts at noon, passes to Des Bryant today, Des is going to have to watch it all the way into his hands. And they had taken their eyes off the spiritual ball. And as a result, some were saying, that in order to be fully-fledged followers of Christ Jesus, you not only need to entrust yourself to Him, but you need to begin, men, sorry, the good news has become bad news, you need to be circumcised. And the whole lot of you need to begin to live life regimented by diet and by days. Well, Paul gets wind of this and he says that you've lost your spiritual stride. You have, in fact, lost traction. You're not gaining in Christ. You are going backwards. And he says, was not Jesus Christ placarded in front of you? So embrace afresh Jesus crucified and commit afresh to be cruciformed into his character and likeness. How, Paul? By staying in step with the Spirit. By keeping in step with the Spirit. By walking in the Spirit so that you might not carry out the desires of the flesh. Do you all remember in John's Gospel, the so-called upper room discourse, when Jesus disrobes himself, washes the disciples' feet, begins to say to the disciples that it's good that I go away because when I do, I shall send to you another comforter. Not just any kind of comforter, but another comforter, another of the same kind 
As I comfort you, so he shall comfort you and he shall lead you into all truth. And so Jesus is crucified. Jesus is buried. Jesus is resurrected. Jesus ascends. The spirit descends. And now the spirit begins to live among the people of God. But the question is, is how can we stay in step? How can we live by this spirit? Paul doesn't leave us in alert. He gives us instructions so that we don't have to be left wondering how it is we stay in step with the Spirit. The first way that we do it is we balance our own individual commitments to God with the commitments that we make to other sisters and brothers in faith. It's woven into the scripture that we read. On the one hand... We are to bear one another's burdens because in this way we fulfill the law of Christ. In fact, Paul can say earlier in this letter in chapter 5 that in this one word the whole law has been fulfilled. That you love your neighbor even as you love yourself. Sometimes we wonder how best to answer the question posed in Scripture. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? But we need not really wonder because the truth is, is we are. John Donne, that metaphysical English poet who was also a minister, could say in his meditation that we're all part of the continent, a part of the main. So if one of us is diminished, the whole of us are diminished. And we need not ask for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Millennials, of whom some of you are, nuns and duns, you get this far better than busters or boomers ever could. You get community. Usually with candles and coffee, but you get community. You understand more fully what it really means to look out for one another than the rugged individualists who went before you do. Congratulations, you continue to teach us. We're watching you and we're learning from you. It's vital that we remember that we are a body and that there are many parts, even as there are many parts of that orchestra, be it a flute, be it a clarinet, could it be a saxophone? It might be a violin. All of them are beautiful by themselves, but taken together, they become a symphony. So you help us understand that each eye and ear and nose and knuckle matters, and we're grateful. Community matters. So that if one is caught in a sin, those who are walking by the Spirit are going to come alongside them. They're going to restore them. Beautiful word. It means to mend a net, to set a bone. We're not going to shoot the wounded. We're not going to let another wounded soldier die. We're going to pick them up. We're going to dust them off. We're going to embrace them and say, let's go forward in faith together. But with this call the community... There's also a call to individual responsibility. And there comes a time that we can't hide behind another sister or brother. Because all shall be laid bare before God. Each one will give a defense for how they've lived in the faith. How they've lived their lives. Whether good or bad. So the balance 
the tightrope that we're called to walk is that we are to bear one another's burdens. Paul simultaneously says, and we're to carry our own loads. On the surface of things, it seems as if though it's a contradiction. It's not a contradiction, it's, an, it's a tension. It's not oppositional thinking, it's opposable thinking. And so we reach out, even as we reach up, knowing that both matter. We care for ourselves before a God who sees all. And we care for one another because God sees all. If we're going to walk by the Spirit, we have to cultivate our own relationship with the Lord Jesus. By worship, by prayer, by scripture study, by service. And if we are to walk by the Spirit, we're going to do so with other believers who help us be stronger than we could ever be by ourselves. It is high time, and I think at long last, the myth of the autonomous self has imploded. But we need to remember that we come alongside one another in community, even as we live our lives to God individually. For God so loved the world, yes. And Paul says that he loved me and gave himself for me. If we're to walk by the Spirit, then we balance responsibility one for another and accountability to God. If we're to walk by the Spirit, we embrace some commitments that Paul brings to our attention here. Let me just tick off a few in the time that we have left. First commitment is this. We choose concord, that is unity in Christ, over discord, that is disunity in Christ. It is rather easy, isn't it, to find ourselves working at cross purposes with one another. Because as it happens, not all of us cross every theological T in the same place or dot every theological I in the same place. And sometimes it's easier to focus upon that which we do not share in common than to focus upon what we do share in common, which arguably is a good bit more and a good bit more important. It has been said in the essentials, let there be unity. In the non-essentials, let there be diversity. And in all things, let there be charity. Because they'll know that we are Christians by our love. The call is not to provoke one another. Paul says, don't envy one another. Be careful as you go to and fro one with another. In chapter 5, Paul says, not to devour the other. Earlier we heard the choir sing to us about Christ's call upon our lives to be salt and to, light, to be light. Best I can tell, the world needs a winsome witness. And they're looking for us, not least in this election cycle, not least come Tuesday, to offer a winsome witness in the world. 
Our hope is not predicated upon a political party. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So whoever wins Tuesday, God reigns Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. We're called to concord in Christ. Paul says that we're also called to be people who discern. Did you see it? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. We're to choose discernment over deceit. For what one sows, this one will reap. If they sow to the flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption. If they sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So we need to know what we sow in the fields of our lives. If we sow, for example... Farmers sow, let's say, green beans. They're not going to get squash. Best I can tell, that's probably a good thing. If if they sow broccoli, they're not going to get cauliflower or Brussels sprouts. I can assure you from my angle of taste, that is a very good thing. But the idea is you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap more than you sow. The prophet says you sow the wind and you reap the whirlwind. The wag says any fool can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. And so you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. It may well be that we think that somehow, someway, that there was not a cause and effect here, but things take Time. That's why we recognize that it all begins with a single thought. You sow a thought. You reap an action. You sow an action. You reap a habit. You sow a habit. You reap a lifestyle. You sow a lifestyle. You reap a destiny. But it begins with our minds, and we're called not to be deceived. A story is told about a fox. A bird and a, uh, a fox and a lark, that is a bird who lived in a wood. And uh, they didn't have good relationship. And uh, the reason was quite simple. Uh, the, lark, the lark thought the fox wanted to eat it. And so the fox thought to himself that he would outfox the lark. And he came to the lark and he said, Mr. Lark, uh, why can't we be friends? Uh, the lark had a bird brain, but he thought that this was pretty clear. Well, the reason is, is because uh, you have it out for me. The fox says, to the contrary, here's what to do. Uh, Tomorrow I shall return with a worm in the morning, and then I shall leave, and all you have to do is swoop down, get the worm, and uh, this is going to be a good thing for you. So, sure enough, the next day, here comes the fox with the worm, places the worm at the base of the tree, Over the hill through the dell goes the fox. Here comes the lark, swoops down, gets the worm, rinse and repeat, day after day. The lark begins to think that he has a really good thing going, and, well, he does. The fox comes to the lark on one day and says to the lark, Mr. Lark, here's what to do. All good relationships are reciprocal. There's give and there's take. Uh, I've been doing all the giving. So here's what I'd like for you to do, Mr. Lark, to prove your friendship for me, 
when you come down tomorrow from the tree to get your breakfast, would you just leave a, a feather, not two, not ten, just a feather uh, in its place? And so, sure enough, here comes the fox, brings the worm, leaves, here comes the lark, gets the worm, leaves the feather, until that day, it's a fateful one, when the fox comes, brings the worm, leaves, here comes the lark, gets the worm, leaves the feather, seeks to fly and only flutters. Here comes the fox, who's been in hiding only to eat its fattened prey. And you say, that sounds something like a fable. What's the point? I'm still trying to figure it out. When I do, I'll let you know. Or something like this. Don't trade your wings for worms. Do not be deceived. God is not mine. We will reap what we sow. So, mount up with wings as eagles. Run, don't get weary. Walk, don't faint. I want to say one more thing and then we're finished. We'll respond in worship. Paul says, choose not only concord over discord, not only discernment over deceit, but he says, Choose well-doing over weariness. For those of you who are students, this is getting close to the swamp end of the semester. I get it. It seems as if though the fall semester lasts forever. And then there's finally Thanksgiving. And then it's over. But there's a lot to do between now and Christmas break. You got your midterms done. But you turn around twice and here you go again. It seems as if though now papers begin to press. These second and third exams. How am I going to get all these labs done? Who do these professors think that I am? And you begin to grow weary in the well-doing. And you begin to say, will Christmas really ever come? And it will. And you'll get there. But what's true of your life as students or professionals is true of our lives spiritually. We have to choose to continue to do that which is good. Day in and day out, there'll be time for rest, but it's not now and it's not yet. So be steadfast, Paul says, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, what does it really matter if I sleep in or come to church? It matters. What does it really matter if I give or don't give? It matters. What does it really matter if I serve or don't serve? Pray or don't pray. Care or don't care. Small steps, same direction. Or as Eugene Peterson can say, long obedience in the same direction. Even as Bunyan reminded us, we're all in our own ways pilgrims. On pilgrim journey, growing closer to Jesus, which is the question. How can we be more faithful, fruitful Christ followers? Paul says, 
Stay in step with the Spirit. Balance. Care for others with self-care. And embrace a life given over to God. It's costly grace, Bonhoeffer would say. It's costly because it cost you your very life. And it's grace because it's the only true life. Woven through Galatians is a call to grace. It's a letter that begins with grace. It's a letter that ends with grace. Because it's grace that has brought us safe thus far. And it's grace that will lead us home. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you are the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And that you, for the joy set before you, despised the shame, and you endured the cross. So that now as we fix our eyes upon you and look full in your wonderful face that the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Lord, in this time of response, where we find ourselves, would we be able to draw close to you knowing that you will draw close to us? Convicting us of sin, leading us into righteousness for your name's sake. So Lord, would you take our hearts and our lives and transform us and use this time when we sing to you our commitments to lead to that good end. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.